We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the people of Missouri. We're for brewmasters, stockbrokers, beauty queens, and truck drivers. Whatever you do, if you're a Missourian, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we've got Missouri covered. She's done the research. You know, I measured the big boy's booty for like two years. She's analyzed the data. If you can keep that big booty down, like if you are a big boy, if you're very tall and you can keep your booty down low, then you are far more successful. She's crunched the numbers and the results are clear. The back of booty isn't as good, as it turns out. If she picks a dog, she'll have the math to back it up. It's not like Travis Kelsey is done. My dog is my dog is very excited about this, just so you know. It's Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network. Now in the zone with Jason Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, time to talk with our NFL Network analytics expert Cynthia Freeland joining us here in the zone on this uh, Wednesday edition. Cynthia, welcome into the show. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I am doing just fine. Um, I I started the show previewing our conversation, and I said uh, I I'm worried that it might be awkward because there's so much <laughs> euphoria around here, and I know there's always that survivor's guilt that goes along with it of you know uh, the euphoria around here. It's not like the Chiefs were playing your team, but watching that, yeah. we were a half away from having just a, a dream matchup with Chiefs and Lions. It did not happen, so um, I I was so happy on Sunday for my team, and I was very heartbroken watching the second half, uh, thinking of uh, you and, and the Lions fans out there. Well, I really appreciate that, but the good news is is that at least we still have our OC, Ben Johnson, informed the team he's not leaving, and it was more like, obviously it was a heartbreaking loss, but... It was a, more of a better season overall than it was that loss being some sort of like black check mark, right? Two home playoff wins, something that hadn't happened in over 32 years. Like that's that's very very cool. So at the end of the day, more grateful than sad, but definitely Sunday sucked. Yeah, <laughs> I, Lions fans. Uh, I I don't know <laughs> if it's the same because the Chiefs have um, have had a Super Bowl before, but 2018 when it was the first run of Patrick Mahomes, and it was like, oh, my God, this is different. This is awesome. This is so much fun. They've got a chance to actually do this. And then D Ford is off sides, and it's a crushing loss in overtime. And it's like it was right there. Like, I I celebrated. Like, the game was over. I celebrated. The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl in my lifetime. I can't believe this. Um, And then the (laughs) official stepped up and threw a a flag that was the correct call. And I'll be damned if they throw a a flag that's a correct call on the Chiefs, darn it. Um, Not anymore. (laughs) And now the script has uh, flipped that thing. Um, But I I had some of the same sort of flashbacks. Um, and, And I'm hoping for Lions fans that it is the start of something um, with uh, what's going on in Detroit. Because as time passed, I was able to appreciate that 2018 season and the win over the Colts and and breaking the streak of not winning an Arrowhead for, you know, 20 years um, and and that appreciation. But, man, it sucked for a while (laughs) after that game was over. Yeah. I mean, look, it it hurts. I hated that one, too, because I, like, fell in love with Patrick Mahomes. And I was, you know, I I remember (laughs) – one of my first, like the first weeks when we had to make our Super Bowl predictions, I think mine was Chiefs and Saints that year. And my producer was literally like, you can't go on TV and say the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl. And I was like, 
the heck I can't. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> I did it anyway. <laughs> and, and Patrick came to me after, and he's like, you rode with us the whole year. I know that. I watched you on TV. I was like, thank wow. you. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That That's yeah, really cool. it was cool. Yeah. Definitely cool. I rode with them the whole season. Never said anything to me. Like, I've yet to hear. I mean, except for the Ravens uh, game this last weekend that I picked the Ravens. It's been uh, reminded, and uh, I've, I've been told that a lot uh, since the, the Chiefs uh, won that game. Um, but, uh, but yes, I, I did pick the Ravens. But uh, you know what? Uh, let's start with the Chiefs, and then we'll get into uh, some of the Lions stuff, because I think there are some great analytical conversations that can come from that uh, Lions game and you know bigger picture stuff and things like that. But um, the, the Chiefs get the win against the Ravens. I picked the Ravens to win 26-24 on a field goal late and with a 51% confidence. <laughs> it was, uh, was um, like 26-24 and 51-49 Ravens, but could be Chiefs. But, uh, but I still still you know pick the ravens whatever um i'm just trying to help the chiefs they've been doubted and i um i grabbed an oar and i was rowing along with everybody else to help exactly. them get there that's all um how did as you watch this game and analyze it how did they keep the ravens to just 10 points scored in that game in the biggest game of the season for them when you you had to think that they were going to throw the kitchen sink out there offensively against this chiefs defense well to begin with the game plan was the, the beginning of the game, the scripted portion of the game, on both offense and defense, the Chiefs just had a beat on everything the Ravens wanted to do on both sides of the ball. The weird part was that you didn't see the Ravens adjust to do the things we've seen the Ravens do, like, you know, run the football and not in, you know, short yardage situations, like third and very, very short. Um, so that was kind of strange. But I think that a lot of the different ways that you saw Drew Tranquil just really, like, have an extra it's like he he studied the exact right film and he knew exactly mm. what was like he he was like living rent free in Lamar Jackson's head to begin the game and that that was really what set the tone because we hadn't really seen the Ravens play from behind much this this season and when their scripted port, part of the game doesn't work and Lamar Jackson isn't looking Lamar Jacksony yes I know that the the first drive he looks pretty good to, to Zay Flowers but you know, after that, it was like, oh, okay, I get this now. I know what he's going to call, and I'm one. I, I I make this stupid analogy, but like, you know, I saw Drew Tranquil win the Chess.com last year, and hmm. I saw him win it again. Uh, you know, last week. I love that. Uh, that that's a phenomenal way to look at it, and you know, the the, the running the ball thing I, I think is uh, is fascinating because you know the Chiefs were up ten points at half. And they got the ball to come out in the third quarter, and they went three and out. And you're like, oh, all right, defense, let's see what you can do. And the Baltimore Ravens handed off to Gus Edwards on the left side. Yeah. And Justin Reed came up and looked like he was getting ready to take on a tackle that never got there, and then he just took on <laughs> Gus Edwards and finished the play. And that was a first down and 10. That was the last time the Ravens handed off on first down. Yeah. That was 14 minutes to go, 13 and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. And they didn't hand off on first down the rest of the game. I know that we talk about, well, you know, game scripts, situational things like that. They got the ball. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, eight, nine, ten. They had ten different first downs until they got to nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. 
They had right. ten more first downs. Down by down by ten points. Ten more first downs. Like, um, was it that Todd Munkin just saw what the Chiefs were doing and decided that he was going to adjust to the Chiefs? That Spags actually was playing the Drew Tranquil, the Justin Reed, the chess game, and Spags. Uh, one of the lines that he used um, a couple of years ago that I loved is you know having the chalk last. That you know that he had the chalk last because he made them adjust to what he was doing and he put them in situations that were advantageous to the Chiefs. Uh, is that why, or was there the uh, experience and the um, Chiefs sort of just going game script and playing what was uh, working to a degree and not making mistakes, and the Ravens sort of panicking and wanting to getting uh, wanting to get ten points back on every drive? Yeah, it it felt like the Ravens were trying to get it all back at once, like they were. You know, I, I think that. Maybe, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not close to Todd Monken at all, but it seems like he certainly overthought some things, right? Like the, the play calls were not necessarily what you would imagine. And it's not like he didn't know Spags was going to blitz him. I mean, this is, the Chiefs blitzed at like the fourth highest rate all season long. So, and especially on third down. Third mm-hmm. down, Lamar Jackson against the blitz had the, the third lowest completion percentage in the regular season. So he knew that. We knew that. Everybody knew that. Spags knew that, and yet they could not on third down. They could the blitz just absolutely crushed their soul. Like that was one of the major keys to this game. And by the way, one of the ways to stop that would be to run the football and especially get in more manageable situations. Nope, didn't. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have a great answer for it, but that's what we saw. I don't know why they didn't. Because usually they're very good at adjusting. So. I, I don't know. I, it, it was it was very strange. Like the beginning was advantage Chiefs, and then Chiefs just held on. And and even though they made slight adjustments better, they could not get that offense to to work. One of the things that I felt like is a common misnomer around uh, quarterbacks, and it's one of the things that I keyed on on uh, Friday, um, and still pick the Ravens, but uh, keyed on on Friday <laughs> was that um, Patrick Mahomes in his career has been one of the top, if not the top, if I, I guess if I went back the last six years and looked at all quarterbacks, um, one of the top quarterbacks in pressure to sack percentage and limiting sacks in, in how many pressures he has. He's just brilliant at doing that. He was yep. number two this year behind Josh Allen. Um, and um, I think last year he was number two, but uh, he's been in the top one or two or three um, every year of his career. He's just brilliant at being able to do that. And Lamar Jackson, you would think, would be a guy that would make guys miss and pressures would not turn into sacks, but he's middle of the pack. He's just sort of there. Like the, the, the names around him that we were talking about on Friday in the show, you know, it was Gardner Minshew and Jimmy Garoppolo and you know, players like, we're like, that doesn't seem right. And so my point was the Chiefs can pressure him as long as they don't get out of their lanes. They can also sack him when they've got opportunities. He got away a couple times. They were, Drew Tranquil, you know, went over him because Lamar Jackson's good at ducking through. And uh, yep. Leo Chanel went over him. Lamar Jackson ducked through and then found Zay Flowers. But the Chiefs hit Lamar Jackson a number of times, hit him seven times, and sacked him four times. And never, Cynthia, did it feel like they were just sprinting up the field to get him like it was a statue or going after Tua. It was just, uh, it was a great plan, but you got to have the players that execute the plan. And it's one of those check your egos at the door because you five guys that are going to be pass rushing, you're a unit. You're not one guy trying to get there and beat your guy and and swim and get out of your lane because you think you can get there quicker because now you just gave up a 15 or 20 yard run to Lamar. Yeah, I, there, 
the interesting part is that the the one thing Lamar's sort of the knock on Lamar that I think from this season was that he didn't have a good beat on how like we saw and and you can't tell me that his that his tackles were 100%. We saw them kind of rotating in and out. We saw a whole bunch of like I mean these were weird things and it didn't feel like he had a good beat on when someone was getting beat up. He didn't have a good beat on when like maybe his guard was getting beat by, you know, Chris Jones or whoever, right? George Karloftis, et cetera. He didn't have a good beat on where the pressure was going to come from. And in many games, you see him sort of have the sixth sense to be able to bounce out of the way to get out of the way there. But he did, he did not, in, in the games this year where they looked confused, like with the, against the Browns, et cetera, it's like that he didn't have a beat on where the vulnerable points in his O-line were. Uh, There was a stat that I saw, and I can't remember. I think it might have been from your uh, Twitter account, and it was about the intermediate passes for the Baltimore Ravens. Mm -hmm. And um, that uh, – oh, here it is. Uh, You actually uh, retweeted it. Uh, And it said, uh, Lamar didn't target um, the uh, intermediate level of the field in the first half, uh, 10 to 19 air yards. And he was second in the NFL this year, completing 66% (laughs) of passes – with 11 touchdowns and no interceptions when targeting the intermediate parts of the field. Yep. So the Chiefs got him to third down, blitzed against third down, which was a weakness, and took away the intermediate part of the field. Um, I feel like Spags was uh, playing some chess out there and is was, just a. He was on his bag. Right I mean, there. right, was, exactly. He was on one. Spags was in his bag <laughs> in yep. the game there. He was. Uh, and and that, that to me is like, how do the. And again, you talked about, you know, uh, uh, not being in the mind or knowing uh, Todd Munkin, but it just feels like it's odd to where would the adjustment come in that particular game in that moment? Um, or, or was Spags and the players just simply that good? Because sometimes players go out there and execute. And if the players are covering guys in the intermediate part of the field, they might have adjusted, but Lamar can't throw to a covered yeah. guy just because it's in the no. intermediate part of the field. Yeah, I mean, you saw, I think also, the other thing that was sort of a, like we didn't know what to expect when, from the return of Mark Andrews, right? Oh, yeah, because, yeah. you know, I, I just because you're back, we talked about it, it doesn't mean you're like normal 100% yourself, right? It's, it's you're back and you're there, and perhaps you're a decoy, or perhaps you're not blocking, asked to block as much as normal. We don't, we don't really know what to expect, but I think part of that was like, uh-oh, this inter- intermediate thing is going to be a problem because now we've got Isaiah Likely who's evolved past this. Plus we've got Zay Flowers who kind of lines up all over the formation and he's good at ad-libbing. Plus we've got Mark Andrews. Yikes. Like that's where you thought that yeah. intermediate was going to be potentially an advantage. Whereas it ended up that either he wasn't okay or I don't know the, the you know, all of the intricacies mm-hmm. of it. We're again not in their locker room, but clearly that he wasn't able to be used in the way that we've seen him be used in, in when he's fully healthy at other points of the season. Visiting with Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network analytics expert. Um, Travis Kelsey was brilliant in this game. Um, I've continued to call it, and I'm just going to keep calling it. I think it's the best game of his career um, that he yeah. played. I mean, 11 targets, 11 receptions, 116 yards, a touchdown against mm-hmm. that defense in that moment, at that level, with everything on the line, with the offense that had been struggling, and coming through on you know that fourth down and two catch, the touchdown catch, the third down and five diving catch, just the general you know other eight catches he had <laughs> during the game. Um, he, it was <laughs> just those. Yeah, it was vintage Travis Kelsey when the Chiefs needed a vintage Travis Kelsey. Yeah. 
The other thing that was that was kind of cool was we talked about, or I talked about at least, how we've seen Travis Kelsey line up at like seven different pre-snap alignments. Mm-hmm. Well, in this game, it was like, yeah, no, two. <laughs> He's either tight or in the slot. And, and he was mostly in the slot, but you saw when he was tight and then there was no receiver to his right, that was that first touchdown. So it's, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, clearly they, like, that's like respect for Andy Reid right there. Not just respect for Travis Kelsey, but also for Andy Reid in being like, okay, like, we're just going to go back to like kind of the basics here and beat you with that. But obviously the defense is like, oh crap, how are we going to, you know, it, it was, to me, it was um, weird that they really only asked Kyle Hamilton to, you know, in most on most plays to have the Travis Kelsey duty. Like it was like Kyle Hamilton and like one di- one deep safety. You're like, R- you think that's going to work? Okay. And Andy <laughs> Reid and Patrick Mahomes saw it. And they're like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. And have fun chasing us. Visiting with uh, Cynthia, your fully NFL Network analytics expert, um, Travis Kelsey talked about in his uh, podcast that the Chiefs were able to uh, flip a switch <laughs> in the postseason, um, which uh, I, I, I find to be uh, uh, fascinating and believable all at the same time. Because, uh, uh, as he said, like you know, you're in a no- random game in November that you're about to wax some team, and you're like, okay, this is going to be you know an easier game versus okay, now it's the postseason, now it's go time, now right. they uh, that go got to go out there and play. But even with that, even with the, okay, you're taking your game up to the next level, what to me was part of the impressive uh, play of the Chiefs on Sunday was that, you know, while the offense was not doing in the second half what they did in the first half, this season has evolved into a, you know what, they're more of a defensive team and you got to play more complimentary football and Patrick Mahomes doesn't need to be Superman Patrick Mahomes and uh, throw into crazy tight windows or try to scramble and run around and do some crazy things when you felt like the game and the game script was going your way. And in the second half, the Chiefs didn't score, but they didn't have to score. They also didn't turn the ball over and set up a short field for the Ravens. You know, they, they didn't make any dumb right. mistakes. They didn't have any drop passes that cost them, you know, big plays or anything like that. And, and to me, while maybe flipping a switch is, is part of it, but maybe also a little bit more of understanding that you know this is a defensive team and playing game position is, or game uh, playing field position in the game is not that uh, scary of a thing. It's not like you are just surrendering that okay we can't get the job done. It's how do we win the game? And and I thought I think Patrick Mahomes three years ago, four years ago, I, I'm not sure if he plays the same way in the second half. I, I don't know if he takes more chances or gets frustrated the offense isn't picking up yards and points and, and doing some of those things. If he takes a sack on second down in the second-to-last possession of the game to keep the clock moving or running around and ends up throwing it away because he wanted to try to make a bigger play. like That evolution, right. that uh, maturity for Patrick Mahomes is also a big part of how they've played and what they looked like, along with maybe flipping a switch. I don't know. <laughs> Well, the other thing is, is on the other side, it was as if Lamar Jackson's immaturity in this situation, or I'm not going to say immaturity, but lack of experience mm-hmm. in this situation, because they, again, this season, they weren't really down much. I mean, the games they lost, they lost, but like they didn't play from behind very often, nor did they play with like a really narrow lead. They were either, you know, waxing someone or, you know, trying to, to trying to do this come back and it was the regular season so it didn't have the consequences that it had now but that muscle memory is a real thing right like this is the that muscle memory of you know trying to take those having a a, a feel for the clock and a feel for you know what needs to happen and where your o-line is like that doesn't 
you know, we talk about I mean, he's a professional. He's going to so win the MVP. The voting was already over before that game, right? But like, you know, this is this is a situation where it's like, okay, well, that's why you want to. We talk about taking the Chiefs in the postseason. That's part of it. Yeah. That you know, it's like Tom Brady back in the day. Same thing. Yeah, uh, Cynthia Freeland is our guest, NFL Network analytics expert. We'll look at the Chiefs and 49ers next week with you as uh, we yeah. lead into the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, I-, I said I wanted to start with the Chiefs and then get into some of the things that took place in the Lions game. Uh, the fourth down attempts, you and your background and your love of the Lions while also the analytics part, um, where did you? Uh, where do you come down in the conversation of what took place in that game and the uh, the coaching, the decisions uh, by uh, Dan Campbell that has been a uh, much uh, hotly debated and discussed topic after that game on Sunday night? A lot of people yelling into space about that one. Um, <laughs> There's some clouds that people are mad at. <laughs> dear goodness, like that was a lot. I was like, all right, first of all, there's a couple of things at play here. So it's, you got to always take context into consideration. Nobody went into that game being like, you know what, the Lions are the better team, or this is pretty evenly matched, or even they've been here before, they've got experience, so that's going to carry them the postseason. This was a team that was going in as an underdog with an underdog strategy and mentality. It's a team that had gone for it on fourth down all season long, which means they have a playbook that's not just five or six plays in fourth down situations. It's like 15 plays, 30 plays, a lot more than perhaps other teams. The other thing is that they know who they are. No one on that team is like, you know what, we have a world-beating defense, we are a defensive-minded team. This is a team that's given up in the regular season. They gave up the most 16-plus air yard attempts uh, passing attempts, right? So deep, and they're the only team to give up more than 100. They gave up 103. It's ridiculous. So part of it was this mentality of I trust my offense more than I trust my defense. Not that Dan, Dan Campbell would tell us that, right? And that's the identity that he chose. So while the math would say, hey, perhaps in this situation, take the points, or perhaps don't run the football here, or perhaps don't pass the football here, I understand at least why the decision was made. It didn't seem like a thing where the moment got too big for Dan Campbell and he just was like, ah, and, you know, we've, we've seen other coaches do that. They no longer work for the Chargers, for example. So we've seen it, <laughs> you know, we've seen that happen before. But it didn't seem like he was – it seemed like that was his decision, not uh, an emotional response to the situation. I'm sure he would want a few of those plays back in terms of especially clock management-wise. That's where I think a bigger improvement could come. It's less about going for it on fourth down because I don't even think – to me, that's not an analytics call. That was an identity call. But the plays that were then called Mm -hmm. need to match the identity that they're trying to achieve. That's where I come down on it, which is like – and again, that's very unbiased. That's not – you know. That's not because I like the lines, or whatever. Like that's, I would say that for a team that I didn't like. You know, it, it's it's not personal. Well, and and you know there is some credit to San Francisco. Uh, there was a breakdown of that particular play. Then it was um, I can't remember who they brought in motion. The Lions brought somebody in motion, and the Forty uh, ers whoever was on him, stayed with him. So it's like, okay, this is zone, or this is a man-to-man, stayed with them, and at the snap, they dropped back into a zone. And they said, you know, when Jared Goff looked, he was looking like, oh, wait, this is man, oh, wait, now it's not. And now the pocket's coming down on you, you go to your left, and you throw it, and, you know, maybe a, a half second more, he could have set his feet a little bit better and hit Josh Reynolds, 
but also catch the ball. Um, you know, you, you, you should catch the ball. Uh, the, the play that I didn't like that Dan Campbell called was the Jameer Gibbs fumble play. I'm not sure that a coach should call the fumble play. That's dumb. Uh, and yeah, the, the third down, fumble, right? yeah, the third down and nine, uh, Josh Reynolds dropped the ball play. Um, that was yeah. a dumb call. Those were, those were back-to-back <laughs> possessions when Dan Campbell called those plays. Those were stupid. Um, he probably shouldn't do that anymore. Right. Um, and also the, and, you know, hey, uh, have the ball bounce off your face mask play. That's right. Yeah, these, yeah those are stupid calls. You catch a ball that went off your, your helmet. Yeah. Like, like let's these see are, if we could even do that again if we tried. Yeah, the, these, are, these are really dumb calls. And part of it is like, okay, so you understand that the 49ers are not just going to lay down. Mm-hmm. The 49ers are going to go out and score. So if the 49ers are going to score, we've got to keep our foot on the gas pedal and go. And, and I loved what uh, Greg Olson tweeted out yesterday. And said, you know, the biggest criticism used against the, uh, quote, analytics is that it doesn't take into account the team or situation. And he said, okay, Michael Badgley career 48 plus yards is 45 percent. And he goes, why why doesn't the take the points crowd include that piece of information? Early in the game, San Francisco elected to attempt a field goal on fourth down and take the points and Moody missed. Um, But but we don't. uh, I said I said all the time, you don't get to press the take the points button. You don't get to. You, no. you, the guy still has to go go out there and kick it. You know that's not uh, the easiest thing to do in any general situation. That if you could press the, if you could in baseball, you can just put uh, four fingers up in the air and say we're going to walk him. Intentional walk. We don't have to throw exactly. the ball anymore. And you can't do that in um, in, no. in in the NFL. And I think that's part of it. Like okay, I got a kicker that's forty five percent from this range, or my offense fourth down and two when I've put twenty four points on the board already. I think that's better than forty five percent. So That's right. I'm going to go ahead and right. uh, play the game here and keep my foot on the gas pedal, um, and it uh, it didn't work out. the The bigger issue I would have was the run on third down at the end of the game right. that uh, cost you a timeout. That that was a little bit of a panicky, like, well, we have to get the touchdown no matter what. Now that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. Instead of no, the clock is still your enemy. the the the, yeah. the points are not your enemy right now. The clock is your enemy. Right. The that's that's an, the, the other thing that you know. Oh, oh, on the Michael Badgley point before we move on from that, if he also hadn't been on the team the entire year, which that to Dan Campbell is like a, you know, like we have, there are some narratives that are true, right? Like we're going to like, like you're going to grind and grit and this is going to be like your thing. Like they trust. Remember last game against the Bucks, Craig Reynolds ran in a touchdown. So if you're, if you're a guy who grinds on our team, like, the longer you're there, the more you get, right? Like the more, the more kind of plays in the playbook with your name on it. It's not to say that the kicker isn't important or whatever, because the kicker is, but you know, he's always going to try to put it in the people who've been there grinding the longest. That's, it's just one of his things. Like, it's like how Andy Reed, whenever somebody fumbles, then the next play is going to try to like, Get it, get that you know the stink off of it. Yeah, you will throw it. Uh, we we joke about it all the time. Somebody fumbles, like, well, first play, I'm going to go ahead and put money on that guy touching the ball because exactly. <laughs> we're going to fight. If it was a running back that fumbled, well, the first play of that next, I'm going to go ahead and uh, bet on a running play right. being the uh, the first play or a passing play if it was uh, some sort of a, a wide receiver or skill position player, exactly, or, or but something like that. But the same thing for Dan Campbell, right? Except his mm-hmm. is his kind of you know the internal dialogue is. You know, you're on this team long, you grind long, you, like, you earn it, you know. you And, and it's, again, not to say Badgley hadn't, but he wasn't an original member of this team at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and and look, I, I think that uh, Dan Campbell made a mistake against the Bucks last week when it was tied 10-10, to and he went for it on fourth and goal. 
And uh, they should have just taken the points. Oh, wait, he scored a touchdown. It was a great call. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> they actually scored a touchdown there and went up by seven yeah, instead of going up trust by three. Me, so. I had to turn the TV off this week. It's <laughs> so ridiculous. And also, like, I don't understand who they are talking about when anyone says the analytics say. Because, that. first of all, it makes no sense. Like, you can be looking at a model that's eight years or a model that's 15 years. They're going to say different things. So it's your ability to look at the information mm-hmm. and understand what it says that actually is the analytics. So like you can't just say, "Hey, this like there's like some man standing behind like a like a curtain like the Wizard of Oz like telling us the anal- like that." No, it just makes it seem so strange. I, and I get and they start yelling, and I'm like, "Oh no, this isn't for me." I just I, I mean I just think of uh, a robot every time. Like <laughs> you should go for yeah. it here. You said go for Don't it. Don't take yeah. the points. Go for it. It's fourth <laughs> and 15. I say go for it. Because uh, right. the analytics always say to go for it, they say. No, no. sometimes I, there, there are plenty of no, times. No, they actually don't. Yeah. On, <laughs> you know what? On, on fourth and one, with one second to go in a tie game at the five-yard line, the analytics say kick the field goal. <laughs> so it doesn't say go for it. It's fourth and one. You should go for it. Well, no, you shouldn't go no. for it uh, in that no, no. situation. It's just uh, it's not uh, it's not smart uh, to go for I it know. there. I know. Um, I know. So uh, so yeah, I just uh, um, that that conversation has just uh, taken over everything. And you know what? And and last point on this, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, they were talking in the morning uh, before the games, and and it's great that that they had talked about this because it ended up coming up later that night. But Larry Fitzgerald was talking about when they got to the uh, championship game, conference championship game. Did they get there one time? Bef- yeah, early in his career they got there. And yep. he thought this is going to happen yep. forever. And it wasn't for a, no- a while before he got there again and then got to the Super Bowl. And he was like, and in, in that conference championship game, he was like, we were sitting in a timeout. And the coach came up and said, what do you want to do here? And he, and he thought, you've never asked me what I wanted to do before. Like we've never done right. this, and now all of a sudden, comp- why are you? Are you? Do you not know what to do? And he goes, and all of a sudden, just like doubt creeped in for some reason. Uh, in that moment, like it was just different than what had happened before. And th- I, I thought, oh, that's an interesting point. You know, maybe from experience with the Chiefs being there as opposed. I was thinking it from the Ravens' standpoint. And then later that night, you've got Dan Campbell that's going for it on fourth down, and it's like, no, this is what we do. It's like, well, no, we're not going to go for it on fourth. Well, hold on. During the regular season, we've gone for it. So do you not think that we're – okay, so are we now we're, – we're, okay, so we're just going to be uh, – we're game managing then. Okay, so we're going to change sort of the mindset. A little. Do I not need to take this shot deep or whatever? Those little things can, um, can, can be part of it too. I thought that was interesting from Larry Fitzgerald that that totally. small interaction – had doubt creep into his mind of, well, maybe the coach isn't confident. Well, I don't know. What do we do here? <laughs> what, what You tell me what to do here. Right. Know. You're like, I am the player. You are the coach. Yes. <laughs> if I offer a suggestion, that'd be one thing. When Patrick Mahomes against the 49ers said, do we have time to run Wasp? And then Eric Bieniemy said uh, he wants to run Wasp. What do we think about Wasp here? Okay, that's a suggestion. Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid didn't go to Patrick Mahomes and go, Patrick, what do you think? Um, right. We're looking through here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe we get the number two. Um, no onions, though. I don't like that. What do you What do you think? And what should we get here? Um, I don't know. Does Wasp work? Oh, hey, he wants to run. No, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the interaction. So, um, yeah. all right, we'll see. We'll break down the Chiefs and 49ers uh, next week with you as uh, Vegas Absolutely. in the future for both of these teams. Cynthia, thank you so much as always. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Still feel bad for you. Um, and um, hopefully very soon it's the Lions heading to the Super Bowl with Dan Campbell and they'll be biting kneecaps uh, while holding the Lombardi Trophy one day soon. Exactly. You know, yes. some, some kneecap biting, maybe, maybe it can be... 
you know, the, the Chiefs and the Lions in uh, New Orleans next year. Hey, that would be uh, that would be great. <laughs> I'll take it. Sign me up right now for that. Sign me up right now. <laughs> Let's go. Settling out of court right now. Settle. Uh, Cynthia, Perfect. thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a great one. Yes, you too. There's Cynthia Freeland, the best. NFL Network uh, analytics expert uh, joining us here as um, that that close. Just so close to having Chiefs and Lions. And, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago because I didn't um, I wasn't on the show last Wednesday. So you talked with her last Wednesday. But a couple of weeks ago when we were leading into Chiefs and Bills and Lions and um, and Bucks and the division round. I'm like, you know, if if these two teams win, all of a sudden the conference championship, and maybe in Vegas it could be Chiefs and Lions. She's like, oh, that would be amazing. Like that time wouldn't. Even, that was two weeks ago, and oh man, just that close to uh, to having it happen, and uh, it, it uh, didn't. So and Dan Campbell was the reason that it's not happening. I wasn't listening to your guys' conversation. I imagine that's where you ended up. Yeah, we both said that uh, Dan Campbell made huge mistakes in that one. Just should have hit the big take the points button that we all know yeah. teams have. Hit the uh, Michael Badgley, who is not Justin Tucker or Harrison Butker and has not been on this team all year, was a the guy they found midseason, uh, is the guy you want to put the, the, the game in his hands from 40-plus a couple of different times just to, you know, click, click. At least, Points. at least Badgley didn't try to warm up by like kicking footballs into Christian McCaffrey or something. Like he could have had a worse day. I want to see the pregame video of Badgley doing lunges near Brock Purdy. Oh, you could do it's it to like, Purdy. I said McCaffrey. Oh, <laughs> like one of the good players. I was thinking of the quarterback though, uh, like Debo or Ayuk or Trent Williams or one of the good players. Don't you say that near Ryan Leaf? Ryan Leaf would say, Josh. You are an idiot. Chiefs are going to play young Troy Aikman next Sunday. <laughs> more athletic Troy Aikman. Definitely more athletic. Yes. I mean, a better quarterback, but, you know, yes, for adjusting for, for sure. era. Uh, more, of a, more of a go-getter and a winner than just a game manager. Exactly. Like right. I mean, you, it's, know. you know, it's about a supporting cast, but... A guy that knows how to use his support. <laughs> Purdy seems cool, at least. <laughs> Can't wait for uh, Purdy to be on uh, Fox and ESPN one day uh, coming up... Uh, in about 10 years or so. I can't. Um, can't wait for Purdy to walk off the field sad on, uh, <laughs> on a week from Sunday. We'll take a timeout, come back, more zone next. Thank you to Cynthia Freeland. NFL Network Analytics Expert. We'll talk with Kendall Gammon coming up at noon. NFL Revolutionary. Three and a half time Revolutionary. Yeah. 913-912-4810. We continue right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Let's hear from uh, Andy Reid on the Let's Go podcast with um, Jim Gray and Tom Brady. Remember um, when Tom Brady played, Jim Gray and Tom Brady used to always do the uh, halftime interviews of uh, Monday Night Football on Westwood One. Yeah. Every halftime of uh, Westwood One was Jim Gray doing a quick little uh, interview with Tom Brady. Um, but I always thought was, I wish this was a full hour. <laughs> here's, uh, here's Jim Gray, Tom Brady, the uh, Let's Go podcast. But uh, this is uh, Andy Reid is on with the uh, podcast. Is, that's why we're playing it. But Andy Reid talked about playing in Vegas, going to Vegas, but playing at the Raiders' home, uh, here's Andy Reid. See if you uh, if you took away anything that I that I did with the small little felt like little little jabs, um, little needling to the uh, Raiders when he talked about uh, going to Vegas for the Super Bowl. How happy are you that the Super Bowl's in Vegas, where you don't have to worry about your mustache freezing? <laughs> <laughs> <Is> that- <laughs> 
I'll tell you. I, yeah. But good things, good things seem to happen when the mustache freezes. So yeah. I don't know how you feeling about this. Yeah. So I listen. Um, that was a cold day. First of all, that was a, maybe the coldest <laughs> one I've been in. Uh, but the the Super Bowl being in Vegas is going to be spectacular. I mean, they have a great facility out there, and uh, you might as well use it, right? As they say, so uh, it's going to be put to use, and then. We actually are the home team, so we get to use the Raiders facility, and that's beautiful. And uh, so we look forward to that part and uh, just keep guys away from the strip, right? That's, uh, that's what you're <laughs> Might as well use it. So good. It's a great facility. Might as well use it. Going to put it to use, and we get to be the home team, and uh, that's beautiful. Now, is he saying we get to use the Raiders facilities and – that's beautiful. Their facilities are beautiful. Or we get to use the Raiders facility for the uh, for the Super Bowl. That's beautiful. I'm going to count one of those as a verified hit on some. Listen, might if there's going to be a big empty stadium there throughout the playoffs, might as well use it. <laughs> We're playing there where the Raiders play. It's a beautiful stadium. Might as well use it because they aren't. That one's a verified hit for me. I think he could just be saying the facilities are beautiful, all of that, but... Um, definitely one, one and a half uh, <laughs> units of shade to throw in there. Also, just a quick note before I go through the rest of them. Yeah. Why is Andy Reid's microphone better than Tom Brady's? Tom Brady's question. one of the hosts of this podcast. I Can we get the man a, a Yeti? It's a rough start for him being an analyst. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Greg Olson's going to have such a good podcast next year. <laughs> His microphone is so good. So crisp. Uh, is it going to be uh, Greg Olson and Jim Gray? <laughs> It's going to be Greg Olson and Chris Berman. Let's go back to the number two crew on Fox. <laughs> it's the You're With Me Leather podcast with Greg Olson and Chris Berman. Um, Andy Reid talks about uh, playing on the road in the postseason, both against Buffalo and then winning the conference championship in Baltimore. It was weird. Uh, you almost feel like you're intruding in their area, but at, at the same time, you, you want to make sure you enjoy the thing. I mean, it's a great accomplishment, but uh, the stands are uh, they're you know, quarter filled with, with what you, your fan, the, whatever fans are out there for that, for that time. And, uh, there's, and you're looking at purple, right? I, I was looking at purple. <laughs> Everywhere. The, stands, the stands are purple. And so I'm looking at purple with a little bit of red mixed in there for the people that stayed. And it, it was a little bit surreal, but, um, the, the best part was we had the guys It made you focus on the guys that were there and and that's really what it was all about and and so we were able to enjoy that part and uh together in in a foreign area which uh uh, brings you even closer together so i i appreciated that and i think there you go a little bit of an insight into you know adam's talked about this for a while the chiefs for whatever reason play better on the road and as he said you know you the guys are focused on the guys that are there and you're in a foreign area which brings you closer together Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's what happened. And you feel like you're infiltrating an enemy territory. There's purple everywhere with a little mixed in with uh, some red. Uh, but uh, weird for him to go and play a playoff game on the road. I just rolled my eyes because I just thought of something here on January 31st. Rolling your eyes at Andy Reid commentary. Well, okay. sort of, insofar as, you know, you mentioned what Andy Reid likes about going on the road there. Their training camp is on the road. They don't even do training camp at home. Yeah, right. Like they literally go on the road yeah. to St. Joe. Like that. What what you heard there is the same stuff he talks about loving in St. Joe. Like yeah, yeah. we we kind of have our own little environment. You know, the team hotel or whatever. That, that actually makes sense. And I've not put those pieces together till just now. 
The uh, the adjustments. Christmas Day was a rough day, and um, Andy Reid talked about um, uh, has talked a little bit about what happened that day. And Brett Veach, after the game against the Ravens, you know, said that was uh, time to assess everything. Andy Reid said a look in the mirror moment. Um, so uh, here's Andy Reid talking with Jim Gray and Tom Brady about what took place after that low point of the season. Yeah, listen, I, I give it. To, uh... You know, the Pat Mahomes, the Travis Kelseys, the Chris Joneses, the players, uh, that locker room, and, and Tom can tell it, you know, he knows this. But when you've been there uh, and you understand the urgency that it takes to get there, um, then you up your game. I mean, that's just what you do. And I, I think after my man Pierce out there, the Raiders kicked our tail, um, it woke us up and um and and said hey listen we need to we need to take our game up here a notch or or we're not going to stand a chance here whether we, to get in the playoffs and or uh to win in the playoffs so uh, those guys took care of business they just they got everybody rallied everybody around them and uh, said here we go good things happened i love the thought of the raiders winning but yet losing because it sparked the chiefs run through the playoffs I mean, it just, I won't get over that. If the Chiefs go to Vegas and win against the 49ers, and the fact that the Raiders coming out and winning that game on Christmas Day in the fashion that they did, the manner that they did, embarrassing them, whipping their tails, as Andy Reid said, uh, that son of a buck, doggone it, Herbie, and, and that sparks them to go, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're the freaking champs. Let's go. Let's act like it. And then they have won every game since. They've rattled off, uh, what, five games in a row and hopefully a six-game winning streak uh, that'll take place to, to end the season. And all because of the Raiders and uh, Pierce and um, uh, the, the Condor. All to have a chance that's his to nickname, win right? it. I think that's right. From Max Crosby, right. yeah. I got it right. All for a chance to win it in Vegas. In Vegas, which is the Beautiful. little... A little cherry, beautiful. A little cherry on top. The Sunday is the season. The um, uh, the 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 whipped cream is uh, making it to the Super Bowl, and the cherry is that it is in Vegas. Um, let's hear Andy Reid talk. Let's play the Patrick Mahomes leadership before we get into the back to back Super Bowls and the conversation he and Tom Brady had, because I think this goes along with the Christmas Day adjustments and everything. When he said, "I give it to the players. I give it to Pat and Travis and Chris Jones and those guys to you know." Essentially, take what the coaches are saying. We got to take our game up a notch, and then doing that. Um, Tom Brady. Uh, um, the the question isn't included here. It's just Andy Reid's uh, answer. But Tom Brady goes on this long discussion about you know what he thinks of Patrick Mahomes. It, it was like two and a half minutes of Tom Brady just saying like he says the right things, um, getting his players fired up on the sideline. The the audio we hear, the mistakes that just aren't made by quarterbacks and everything like that. And uh, the question to Andy Reid was, did he learn this, or has this been something that's sort of natural and instinctual with Patrick Mahomes' leadership? I think it was natural um, for him. He he, uh, he grew up in a locker room with his dad being a professional athlete, so he, he kind of knew where to go and where not to go. But like you did, uh, it's so hard to cross that line to be – kind of part of management coaches and then be part uh, of the locker room and, and to still manage the locker room and the respect of the guys without them going, Oh man, you're just a yes, man. You know, to, 
to the front office and, and he navigates that so easy. Um, and like you did, I mean, that's a tough, that's tough. People don't understand that. And that locker room is a strong place, man. That peer pressure is as strong as it is anywhere, uh, in any situation in life. So, uh, yeah. and he handles that and does it gracefully. So I, I, I appreciate how he, how he operates. I've never thought of it that way to where the quarterback works so much with the coaches that if you then go to the players and like, no, guys, this is what we're supposed to do. It's like, okay, yes, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, Narc's here. All right, but, uh, 5-0. Teacher's pet. Yep. Oh, Teacher's uh, yeah. pet. Oh, here comes it. Oh, oh, hey, guy. Yeah, how's the how's the meeting with the teacher doing? You know, I never thought about that being sort of Amsterdam that you're 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 uh, uh, along with the coaches and as he said part of the front office to a degree right um and uh, and and then also now you're leading the players and they have to follow you and at this point everybody that comes into the organization has no choice but to follow Patrick Mahomes 100%. it's Patrick Mahomes in 2018 when he took over maybe that was a little more difficult to go to the guys, like, this is what we need to do, guys. Okay, sure, fella. Now, four Super Bowls, anybody that joins the Chiefs is, oh, Patrick is saying that, so we're going to do this. Because... Unless Tom Brady unretires and joins this team, <laughs> That's right. no one else in modern NFL history yep. has that kind of sway. Let's hear the uh, Tom Brady and uh, Andy Reid. Uh, this is Tom Brady uh, talking for most of it. Just going to back-to-back Super Bowls, the difficulty of that, he is the last quarterback to win back-to-back Super Bowls, but they've been to back-to-back Super Bowls. They just did not get it done, uh, the Patriots, since they won. And the Chiefs very quickly have an opportunity to win back-to-back Super Bowls after not having that come to fruition in 2020 against the uh, against the Bucks. So here is the uh, the conversation. Tom Brady uh, starting off here, and then Andy Reid, uh, the, the, the difficulty and what the challenges are of winning back-to-back. I think that, in my opinion, it's difficult because it's hard to win one Super Bowl. So to win two of them in back-to-back years, I mean, there's it's it's just it's very very difficult. And and I think what Coach Reed speaks to the, you know, I think the teams that I were, was on that were able to do great things year after year. It was the character of the players, the coaches, and and the system that we had that brought the best out of everybody in the biggest moments and. You know, we always try to put a lot of pressure on our players all the time to succeed, whether it was an OTA practice, whether it was a training camp practice, whether it was a joint practice, a preseason game. The pressure was always on. It was never, hey, this is a – I always remember Coach Belichick would come in a meet and he'd say, this is a big fucking day. You know, and we joke because all those years I had 20 years of big fucking days, you know, <laughs> because everyone was important. And that's how we saw it. I think that really wore off. So we didn't have to wait to Super Bowl week to go, okay, now what? You know, I think you could see Coach Reed and the impact that he has on the players that, you know, these guys are always, they they want to show up and compete. And they don't have to figure out, oh, do I have to turn it on now? No, it's always on. And and I think you play these teams. And I've been, you know, seeing a lot of programs and certainly had a chance to watch a lot of football this year. Not a lot of people approach it that way. Sometimes it's just too hard. For people to compete like that and and I think I give coach Reed all the credit in the world for his ability to compete day in day out year after year and that's why the Chiefs are such a world-class organization I appreciate that yeah that's uh, 
It is. You, you said it. It's, I mean, it's tough to get get to the Super Bowl period, and then to be able to back to back it. Um, you know, you you taught us part of that lesson, uh, not only as a player um, and with the Patriots, but also you kicked our tail uh, at Tampa Bay, and um, you know, the, there's a certain attitude and toughness that you've got to come into uh, each game with, and and you presented that to us down there. It was a good learning experience for, for our guys. Tom Brady saying that I had 20 years of this is a big ucking day. Sorry. Let's go. <laughs> he's a, he's call a superstar, back, yeah. Call back to an hour ago. This is a big bleeping day. 20 years. This is a big bleeping day. And so, as he said, what when it got to Super Bowl week, there wasn't a, okay, now what do we do? Right. No, this is a, it's a big bleeping day. But to the first point that he made... See, I think that part draws into the first point when he was talking about the players and the character and everything because you got to find the right group that's okay with being challenged every single day throughout the year. Being challenged in OTAs and minicamp and being challenged in St. Joe. you got to find the right group of players that in St. Joe, this is BS. No other training camp have I had to go through these. Okay, yeah, but these, when you see red, think of Super Bowls. Right. And... When you're training in St. Joe, it's because of what's going to happen five, six months from now. There are layers to that, too, though, because I would bet anything that Matt Patricia showed up in Detroit and everywhere else after <laughs> and said, all right, everybody, it's a big yeah. leaping day. Anyway, well, you're Matt Patricia. Yeah. I don't think you can tell me how hard mm. I should work today. Not that guys are like yeah. actively trying to, to rail against their coaches, but eventually those messages get stale. You, you hear the same guys try to proclaim the same confidence or show the same path. Dan Campbell shows up in Detroit. I bet he can walk in every day and say, it's a big bleeping day. Grab some barbecue and some kneecaps because it, it's happening. <laughs> so we're going to eat barbecue and kneecaps. And, and I'm all out of barbecue. <laughs> but that that has to be there from both sides of it where, where coaches have to facilitate that buy-in. It's not all just, oh, these young players these days don't listen to coaching. The coaches have to make that translation work. I don't know if Bill Belichick was able to deliver that to Mac Jones. Yeah. Those days were not as bleeping and was, big after Brady. And was Mac Jones able to translate that to the rest of the team the way that it was, well, Brady saying this, we damn sure better do it. I can. I don't know if he, if he could translate some. I can tell you he didn't do as well as Tom Brady. Yeah, for sure. It's a tough, tough act to follow. Yeah, because if Brady was there quarterbacking, one, the ability, but a number of other things, they wouldn't have looked at nearly as bad as they have since 2020. Every game would have meant more because yeah. we have Tom Brady. Yep. Absolutely. And um, it's that group of players, and it's the culture, it's the system, the organization, the coaches, the players that have to have the buy-in and have to be there ready to work and do that over and over. For six straight years, you played in either the last or the second-to-last game of the season. For six straight years, you are two games away from playing the maximum amount of weeks that you would be out there playing, outside of like some bye weeks in the playoffs, but forget all that. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue rolling more zone next. Hi, wrapping up this hour. We'll talk with Kendall Gammon coming up, top of the noon hour. We'll also get into a, a couple of other clips uh, from the New Heights podcast and uh, hear from uh, Andy Reid. Um going in a little uh, in-depth with uh, Jim Gray and Tom Brady about can you appreciate what's going on in the moment and, of course, the Taylor Swift phenomena that has taken over the uh, the world. And is she, 
If they win, is she going to be at the parade on uh, Wednesday? Wow. Two weeks from today? Last two, last two Super Bowls, the parade's been on Wednesday. She has a show in Australia on February 16th. Now, that would sort of be the next day, since on February 14th in Australia, it would be February 15th already. So, <laughs> But imagine Taylor Swift at the parade. They're going to have to add some porta potties.